you know, we live, um, I think, in what the Apostle Paul said, perilous times. Um, if you will evaluate the things that are occurring, um, all of the storms and the difficulties, it's simply creation groaning uh, for the redemption to wit, and that is the manifestation of the sons of God. Uh, we have all kinds of turmoil. Uh, we have the difficulties of uh, the governments. Uh, we have all kinds of teachings that are occurring and apostasy and so forth. And um, if there was ever a time when we should be praying and watching and waiting as Ken sang this song, uh, of the Lord's coming again, it could be today. But you know what most people are doing? Carrying right on with their normal activities. And you know, it amazes me sometimes when preachers uh, preach about uh, as it was in the days of Noah, and then they begin to tell you about violence and crime and diff Jesus didn't mention any of that stuff. And if you read Matthew 24, you can see he said people will just continue on doing what they've done for years and years. Marrying, giving in marriage, eating, and uh, uh, giving uh, in marriage and so forth. He didn't say anything about the violence. He didn't say anything about uh, the things that occurred. He was just saying that there was people that continue on as if they didn't. And you know, somebody says like a lot of times Noah's preaching <clears throat> and he's begging people to come into the ark. There wasn't room for people in the ark. He built the ark for him and his family. Uh, and that's what you have to do. And that's what we have to do. And the Bible didn't say that they didn't believe there was a flood coming. It said they didn't know it. And today, people don't know that the judgment of God is at hand. At hand. And we continue on arguing over judges and senators and uh, whoever that is. But anyway, uh, that wasn't what I wanted to say. <laughs> I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms this evening. <clears throat> in the book of Psalms, chapter 22. <clears throat> And I would imagine that this is a very familiar psalm with you, and I'd like to uh, bring out a few points in regards to this, and uh, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> if, you'll, if you'll look with me in the book of Psalms, and of course there's a... Uh, 
several verses here, and and I don't want to take up uh, your time and my time uh, by reading all of the verses, but I would like to call your attention to uh, some of them. This psalm is divided into two parts. And as a for instance, <clears throat> if you look with me in verse 2, the first part of the psalm states that the Lord doesn't hear. But if you skip down to verse 21 and verse 24, you'll see in verse 21, he says, Thou hast heard. And in verse, <clears throat> in verse 24, you'll see that when he cried, he heard. So there is a vast difference in uh, verses 1 through verses 20, and in verse 21 and verse 22, this psalm changes dramatically. One has to do with a graphic description of our Lord's uh, thoughts and uh, feelings on the cross. The other part of this psalm in verse 22 through the verse uh, 31, you'll see that it has to do uh, with the glory that's going to follow. The first part has to do with suffering. The second part has to do with glory. Now I want you to turn with me, if you will, if you'll just hold your hand here for a moment. Uh, if you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, and let me read to you the 11th verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, the 11th verse. <clears throat> First Peter chapter one verse eleven. In the tenth verse of First Peter chapter one, you'll see that Peter speaks of salvation, which the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, and who prophesied of the grace that should come to us. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. And that's Psalms 22, verse 1 through 21. And then the glory that should follow. And that's Psalms 22, verse 22 through verse 31. And there's no passage in the Old Testament that more graphically uh, portrays 1 Peter 1 and verse 10 and 11 than Psalms 22. And so I want you to see that in the first part of this great psalm, it describes the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then... In the end, it describes what we have met here for to discuss 
the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus over all the earth. Now then, let me, uh, let me begin uh, by mentioning something to you uh, in verse 1. In verse 1 of Psalms 22, you have these words. And I want to say to you that I hope you won't be influenced by what you've always, always heard. That's impossible, I'm sure, because, <laughs> uh, you know, um, being a pastor sometimes, missionary sometimes, you know, you go, and I had this little guy say, well, preacher, I know what you preached, but I, I don't, I don't, I've never heard it that way, and I ain't going to change no matter what you say. So if that's the way you feel, um, <laughs> give some extra money tonight in the offering, and, then, <laughs> and the Lord will help you with that. In this first verse, there's something that's said that I want you to recognize. And what's said here is, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Now, you are familiar, I'm sure, with Matthew 27 and... Mark chapter 15, where these words are repeated by the Lord Jesus when He hung on the cross. In Matthew 27 and in Mark 15, there's a little bit of difference in the spelling in these two places. In Matthew, it's Hebrew. In Mark, it's Aramaic. And that's the only difference. It's the same, the same thing. There's a reason why Jesus quoted this. And I want to say something to you that... Um, I hope I really hope you'll understand this and that you'll 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 study or at least meditate upon it. God has the ability to not know some things. Have you ever heard and have you been taught? that God is all-wise and He knows everything. But He has the ability to choose not to know some things. And I know that sometimes people say, well, God can do anything. You need to qualify that. Because he can't lie. And the same thing applies here 
in, in this verse, God has the ability to choose not to know some things. Now, I know, <laughs> just, just think about it for a moment. You would say, well, Brother Royce, I don't know if that would be true or not. Well, do you remember when God says to Israel, to us, their sins will I remember no more? He has the ability not to know some things. And when God the Son and God the Father in time past before the earth was created and they decided what would occur in this particular time and in the time when the Lord Jesus died on the cross, there were some things that they decided between themselves. And we must remember that the cross is ultimately a transaction between the Father and the Son. And the Son has chosen to be obedient to the Father and to do His will and I know this is getting a little uh, uh, deep beside the subject uh, that I, that I want to get to. But I want you to see this. And have you ever heard someone say, uh, why in the world in Mark chapter 9 would Jesus say, watch for His return? He said, because you don't know the hour in which I'm going to return. But he said, neither do the angels know. But then what did he say? Neither does the Son. This is an instance when God the Son chooses not to know in order to be obedient to the Father who is the judge of all things. Well, I can see that you're shouting over all that, so I better uh, just kind of move on in regards to, uh, to this. But this is, this is a truth that, that we, we need. God can choose not to know in regards to several things. <clears throat> and one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this to you is because of the time when you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. One of the times when you will have bragged about what you have done and the Lord will say something to you 
in like manner to what I just said to you. But look with me in the psalm again and let me, uh, let me read a few things. In the first part of this psalm that I've mentioned, there is graphic description of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus. Difficult. Uh, it was hard. And nowhere in the Scriptures other than Isaiah 53, can you see uh, the, the sufferings of our Lord Jesus? Let me call your attention in verse 6 of Psalms 22, where the Lord Jesus on the cross said, I am a worm. And if you will compare this with Isaiah 1.18, where the Lord Jesus says there, though your sins be as scarlet, and though, though your sins be as crimson, the word crimson in Isaiah 1.18 is the same word that's used here in Psalms 22 and verse 6. And it was a worm that was crushed in order to produce a dye that would dye clothing. Have you ever noticed in Isaiah 1.18 something that's precious? If you will allow us to look at it for just a second, I'd like to show you something here. In Isaiah 1.18, the Lord says here, Come now and let us reason together, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Why do you think the Lord would use snow and wool? Think of this. Snow comes to us from heaven. It's sent down to us. But wool comes from an earthly creature that's sheared. And that's exactly what Jesus was. He was the Son of God who came from heaven and became the Lamb of God to cleanse us from our sins. And that's what this psalm is about. Look with me further in the psalm for a minute. Look what happens here. In verse 7, uh, the Scriptures tell us that Jesus was a reproach of men, despised of the people. They laughed at Him, and they shoot out their lip, and they shake the head, saying, He trusted the Lord that He would deliver Him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Uh, then he says, like, uh, uh, Be not far from me. The bulls, in verse 12, have compassed me. Strong bulls. He said, They gaped upon me uh, with their mouths like a roaring lion. And he says, I'm poured out like water. 
All my bones are out of joint. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And uh, uh, in verse 16, dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have uh, enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. In verse 18, they parted my garments. No doubt you cannot uh, get away from the fact this is exactly what happened to the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine the difficulty and the suffering and the uh, agony? And uh, when the Bible refers to these bulls and lions, it's demonic powers that have inhabited uh, uh, animal creatures and they have spiritually uh, uh, come against the Lord Jesus and uh, in all, I cannot begin to uh, describe or explain to you the agony of the cross, but Psalms 22 is trying to tell us of the inner thoughts of the Lord Jesus. It was, it was difficult. It was bad. It was horrible. It was undeserved. And you know, one of the great things that was said was people taunted him and said, boy, if you're the Son of God, why don't you come down? Then in Colossians, it says that when Jesus was on the cross, He made an open show of the principalities and powers. You know, and that to me is kind of like uh, this guy that I knew uh, in my church one time, and uh, uh, he came in with a black eye, bruised and kind of scarred up and everything. And I said, what happened to you? And he said, well, I got in a fight, preacher. And I said, well, boy, <laughs> you sure look awful. He said, yeah, but you ought to see the other guy. He thought he won, uh, but... Look at, look at the Lord Jesus here in this psalm. It's horrible. And you know, it's graphic to us. And what I'm trying to do is really paint you a picture of how Jesus suffered for us. But you know what happens in the next part? Read the rest of the psalm. He doesn't mention anything. No suffering. No pain. No opposition. No difficulty. Do you know why? He arose. And the Scriptures tell us that in verse 28, the kingdom is the Lord. Do you know what that means? There is a time coming for the Lord Jesus and for those of us who will follow Him when there will be nothing but glory. Nothing but glory. When the Lord Jesus comes to rule and reign. Now I want to... I want, to, I want to give you a verse 
that I can't understand and I can't explain. I want to I want to point this verse out to you and I want you to read it with me if you have your Bibles. But it's one of the hardest verses for me in the scripture and I can't explain it. And it's in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Alan, you'd be interested in this verse. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, remember what we've read in the first part of the Psalm 22. Remember what He's promising us in the last part of Psalms 22. And Paul says in verse 18 of chapter 8, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what Paul's saying? I can't explain that. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. That's the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the glory that will follow. Did you know that the Bible says that eye has not seen nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the good things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Oh, but you'd say the street will be of gold. Yeah, but a man's seen that. John saw that. Oh, the wall of jasper. Yeah, but John saw that. And you may, you may describe the new Jerusalem and you may, you may think of that, but there's something greater. Because John saw that. Oh, but uh, just think, what will we hear? We'll hear Royce preaching. Uh, no, 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 I meant, uh, <laughs> no. You hadn't even heard. Oh, but Paul went into the third heaven and he heard words that he wasn't uh, allowed to repeat and so forth. Yeah, but there's something greater. What are they, Brother Royce? I don't know. I just know it's better. I just know it's a lot better.
you know, it's hard for me to realize that Hebrews says that we are to look unto Jesus who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Can you see the first few verses here of what He endured? That's the cross. That's what He suffered. But there was a joy in Hebrews 12 too that was so great to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was greater than the sufferings. And it's the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus. And you look in verse 27, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. You'll see that He says again, look, look in verse 29, all they that go down in the dust shall bow before Him. And is this not what Daniel says in Daniel 12 too? When they that are in the dust of the earth will rise and they will shine as the sun and the stars in the heaven. Folks, the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus will be our finest hour. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Be faithful to the Lord Jesus. Trust Him. Did you know that the air will be, will be scented in the kingdom? There'll be a fragrance in the kingdom that is so precious. You don't believe that, do you? Oh, but it'll, it'll be the best deodorant you ever had. One time Solomon was going to build the temple. And he was going to use some wood. So he got one of his father's friends to hew him down some trees. And these trees were cedars. In Psalms 92, it says that the believers will be as the cedars of Lebanon. They cut these trees down. They had to detach them from the earth. They put them on barges. And they floated them down the sea to Israel, which is a picture of God the Holy Spirit bringing us to the place where God wants us. And Solomon took these trees and he made the walls of the temple out of these cedar trees. And then do you know what he did? He carved these cedar trees 
and he carved cherubim and flowers. And that speaks to us of the sufferings that occur in our lives. And did you know, and I can't explain this, but did you know that when you suffer for the glory of the Lord Jesus and in His cause, it's simply a skilled work of God in carving a beautiful pattern in your life. Oh, but preacher, what happens? Do you know what happened to those cedar trees and after the carving? He filled them with gold. That's the glory that'll fall. And you'd say, but I've really suffered. Yeah, but the deeper the cutting, the more gold it would take to fill. Oh, but preacher, uh, I don't know about this fragrance that you've talked about. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hosea chapter 14 for a minute. Let me read this to you. And I guess my time will be gone, but Hosea chapter 14. You know, the Old Testament's full of a lot of mysteries, ain't it? <laughs> the beginning of this little book, the Lord says, Hosea wants you to go marry a harlot. That don't sound like the Lord, does it? I, I never told one of my sons to do that, but uh, uh, that's close to daughter-in-laws. I better watch that. <laughs> yeah, but you'd say, why would he do that? Do you know why he'd do that? Hosea had children and this this woman Gomer run off. He had to go to the slave market and buy her back. Do you know why? Do you know why a lot of the suffering happens in our lives? God wanted Hosea to know how he felt about Israel playing the harlot with him. Did you know preachers? You can't preach to a congregation that you can't love. It is a damnable shame today that our seminaries are producing executives instead of pastors. And I mean, well, anyway, I've already said that, but, but I meant that word anyway. 
And let me tell you, this is why God told Hosea that. But let me get to the point here. Look with me in chapter 14 of the book of Hosea. Look what's going to happen when the end of this story occurs. In verse 5, the Lord says, I'll be as the dew to Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon, where the cedar trees come from. And in verse 6, his branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree. Have you ever seen an olive tree? It ain't pretty. It's all twisted. I mean, it's gnarled up and it don't grow elegantly like an elm or something. It's not pretty. So what does God mean when He says that His beauty shall be as the olive tree? It's what He produces. It's the oil that keeps the lamps burning. It's the oil that heals. And then in verse 6, he'll grow as the lily and he'll cast forth his... And in the last part of verse 6, his smell as Lebanon. Do you know those cedar trees that were carved? And when you carve cedar, it emits a fragrance. And that's what will happen in the kingdom. There'll be the sweet scent of beauty and the sweet sense of obedience for those that have suffered for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember I told you in the first part of Psalms 22 that the Lord didn't answer? But in the last part of Psalms 22, He did answer. Did you know that believers have been praying for over 2,000 years, Thy kingdom come, and God hadn't answered that prayer? But do you know what's precious? He will. It will come to pass. And one day, we'll enjoy the greatness of the Lord Jesus because of the sufferings that He suffered for us in the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Hope you've enjoyed just a few of the thoughts that we've given to you. I hope it'll be precious to you. But when you read Psalms 22, read the last part. Because that's where the best part is. The best is yet to come. The kingdom will be our finest hour. Don't miss it. You'll be sorry. Thank you.